from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, January 18th, 2013. This is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And here with me in our 80-degree, sunny Orlando studios. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It's Maya strength. Hi. To her left, also 80 degrees. Calvin Keeley. I run at 80 degrees constantly. <laughs> you're, very very I'm very yeah, you're very cold-blooded. I'm very cold-blooded. You're very cold. Yeah, it's mellow. Hey, guys, how's it going? You're He's, legally dead. <laughs> <laughs> he has a bluish tint at all times. At all times, yeah. yeah. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. Who drives a Vespa, so you're enjoying the mild winter. I do enjoy the fact that I don't have to put on three jackets, gloves, hat, <laughs> scarf, just to get the seven minutes from my apartment to the office. But can, can, can you please tell me you rode the Vespa shirtless today? <laughs> <laughs> I had a wife beater on, which is the next okay. best thing. On the audible.com line, all the way from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. We're excited to have audible.com sponsoring Jesse's line. They are the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. It, you, it makes so much sense. We put out one podcast a week. You've got four days of commuting to fill yeah, audiobooks. You, this is a perfect marriage. You don't want to listen to us four times in oh, a row. No. Oh, no. Or, or even one time all the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's assuming they made it through the podcast on one of those days. Right. <laughs> okay, so I know we're working on the March issue of Relevant right now, and we have uh, an article in it by Rachel Held Evans. Mm-hmm. Her book, A Year of Biblical Womanhood is available on audible.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have in it an article by the one and only John Acuff. Audible.com also has Quitter by John Acuff. So to prime yourself and get ready hmm, for the sure, March issue, yeah. you should go re- listen to their books. Good idea. Okay. So Relevant Podcast listeners get the special deal. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash relevant, you get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial of their unlimited service. So, All right. Thanks, Audible. We have a great show lined up for you today. I say that every week, but I mean it this time. <laughs> Number one, you've sent in a lot of your feedback on how to make the show better, so we will do our best to apply the lessons that we have learned. Yeah, you'll notice this podcast is only 21 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were brutal. <laughs> <laughs> That's number there one. There was a lot of tears. <laughs> Coming up, we talked to new artists, one of our favorite groups. We've said it, we'll say it again, the artist to know in 2013. Their album came out this week, The Lone Bellow. We talked to Zach Williams coming up later on the show. The Lone Bellow uh, in, in a previous life used to be Zach Williams in The Bellow. Right. Uh, Maya and I saw them open for the Civil Wars last year. We were absolutely blown away. Um, they didn't have an album. They were recording it at the time. And, and we were just like, the second they have an album, we've got to be about this band. The cool thing is, if you like the Civil Wars, it was produced by Charlie Peacock. Charlie Peacock also produced oh, this nice. album. Very yeah. cool. So it's got that same yeah. organic acoustic texture. It's really wonderful. They were so good live, you actually kind of get worried that when they go into this sterility of a studio, they would lose that magic. 
it, it kept it. And they're brilliant working with Charlie Peacock because uh, you know Charlie when he did the Civil Wars album, kind of set up a mic in the middle of the room, and they just it just captured like that sound. The same kind of thing with the Lone Bell. Three days in the studio, twelve songs, album done. Three days. Three days. Wow. So we're really excited about it. They came out this last Tuesday. Uh, iTunes uh, within a couple hours of going out, they were number sixteen on mm-hmm. all of iTunes. Yeah, wow. um, they uh, they're getting a ton of buzz. Apparently, Esquire saying they're the band of the year already. GQ saying they're the band to watch. NPR. NPR. Had them on the radar. Yeah, as as uh, this is the artist to watch. So we're not alone in our love for the Lone Bellow. You're gonna love it. Uh, Zach Williams coming up later. Really excited about it. Also coming up, we have. Uh, that's not even it. I mean, <laughs> this is a great show. I'm telling you, Eugene Cho. We talked to Eugene oh. Cho. Um, he's a pastor out in Seattle. He's written a number of books. He's he's leading an amazing organization called One Day's Wages. Um, he's an inspiration. He's a friend. Eugene Cho is coming up later on the show. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, January 22nd. Finally, we're getting robust lists again. Uh, the Joy Formidable is coming out with Wolf's Law. Oh, nice. Wolf's Law. I love them. They're incredible. Really? Yeah. I like wolves. Well, yeah, they're a great animal, too. I feel they're very uh, judicious. I, I like the legal system, so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, snowed in. Uh, not snowed in, as you're snowed in, mm-hmm. but a snowed in. Snow, a den, oh, like a snow den. den. A den of snow. Oh. Well, that's where the wolves den live. Snow, snow yeah. den. Right. Um, uh, no one in control. It well, well, as it would be in a snow. There's den. a lot of anarchy in a, in a den of snow. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And you're snowed in, probably. So you're you're getting cabin fever. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's just going crazy. And once you get cabin fever, it kind of warms up, and then your snow den melts. Though I think I would personally be pretty comfortable in a snow den. <laughs> Running at like 80 degrees. I mean, <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> also coming out, Toro Imoy uh, with Anything in Return. It's a great album. Ooh, some great grooves okay, on that here's album. Here's the thing. Okay, this this album is one that we're excited about. Everybody's talking about it. It's really cool, really cool music. And it's going to be a recommends, or we were talking about it being a recommends in the next issue. And I was telling Chad, I was like, I think it's dirty. And, and, and he's like, <laughs> you, you said you think it's dirty. I, thi- I think it's dirty because emphasis all, on think. Yeah, and it right. hadn't come out yet, so we had only heard a few singles, you know. And so we pulled up the singles in the selection meeting, and we take it seriously when we recommend an album, you know. And uh, and we were looking at them, and like they weren't dirty. And and I was like, who was that? Because I remember I was listening to XMU in the car, and I was like, man, this song is incredible. And then there was a couple lines that were like really vulgar. And I like looked down to see who it was, and it was Toro Imoy. And I I remembered it because people at the office were talking about how great the album was. And I was like, this is filthy. Okay. <laughs> so, Those heathens? So when we were looking at the singles, we couldn't find anything that was filthy. Chad, two nights ago, driving home, Toro Imoy came on. There is a line, and there's a whole verse in this song talking about how he wants to be in you. Huh. Not Inya, the singer. Oh, she's oh. great. He, yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love. Oh, her I'll say he's like wants the career and, and of he, Inya, and he talks about all the ways <laughs> he wants to be in you. Huh? And I was like, I was right. It's filthy. Maybe so, it's written from the Lord's perspective, wanting mm-hmm. to be in your heart. I would imagine. Mm. I think I still think it's actually Inya <laughs> that he <laughs> he's envious of the career of Inya. <laughs> anyway. Interesting. He wants but, to do but, some time life go, albums. If you go listen, <laughs> if you go listen to the other songs, like they're just really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I featured um, one of his videos last yeah, week. Yeah, nothing video wrong of the day, with it. It's, it's awesome. He's got some Napoleon Dynamite dance moves and stuff like that. It wasn't dirty at all. So play a little clip. It's not well, our pick of the week. Play a right. little clip. Here it is. Play that clip. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you won't ever give up. 
See? Any references. Do you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not sure Toro Imoy might or might not be filthy. We're not sure. We haven't decided. But the grooves are good. Yes. Uh, also coming out, why did you put this app? Darius Rucker. I just want you guys to uh, know that Hootie. he's still making music. Hootie is, not the blowfish. Yeah, he is. Uh, the song is true, or the uh, album is True Believers. It's country. If you like country, you'll like Darius Rucker. Okay. Uh, Meredith Andrews coming out worth it all. How is this next one not our pick of the week? I can't believe I get the honor of telling people about this next album. Jesse, are you sitting? Are you sitting down? I, I am now. This am album now. is yeah, because normally podcast standing up, walking around the room. <laughs> I'm usually on the treadmill. <laughs> I keep the blood flow and energy high. You know, uh, coming out. Tuesday, January 22nd, Carmen with Anthems of a Champion. Oh. Mm. What? <laughs> Continuing the uh, trend of 90s artists uh, coming back because they've run out of money. Okay, Carmen, can I ask a question? Please do. Does does this album have to do anything with his, his prior album and film, The Champion? Or oh, is sure. he just still on The Champion kick? Like ten years later. No, I think that's like the one thing that people remember of Carmen. So he's like milking the term dry, you know, kind of like Tori Moy with Inya. Yeah. <laughs> See, and and I love Anthem. I feel like this could be another Mad Lib situation where he pulls out like words, like first word in my epic bag of words to name my album, Anthem <laughs> of a Champion. Yes, okay, we're going to Anthem of a Champion. This is awesome. So, so wait, so Carmen has like a hat. And he, ha- he has, has it, like his staff like, put in words like, like anthem in there, radical, yeah, uh, fighter things like that, Gravity. just awesome words in there, invasion, and then, and then they just pull from the hat, and that's jungle they- cat. <laughs> <laughs> so this could have been anthems of a jungle cat if he had pulled out the other. Yeah, word. exactly. The yeah. possibilities. I would say endless, but it's only like six awesome words in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's just very indecisive. Yeah. All right, and our pick of the week: <laughs> Rah Rah Riot with Beta Love. Uh, movies coming out on Friday, January 25th. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. Awesome. This looks so, I don't, this looks so ridiculous. <laughs> Lee, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've, we finished each other's know. sentences. Yeah. It's crazy, but yeah, I agree. Well, it's because we're both on treadmills, so we're just Exactly. In sync. A lot of energy. Oh, okay. You're in sync. I was like, why yeah. are you being both on treadmills yeah. would make you finish each other's sentences? Do you normally do that at the gym? I'm on an emotional with- treadmill. <laughs> When you're at the gym yeah. on the treadmill, do you just naturally finish the sentences of the people, <laughs> people on the people left and right? Yeah, people around me. Okay. Yeah. I haven't had that experience. That's interesting. Also, going out Parker with Jason Statham, Jennifer Lopez. And uh, the, uh, oh, uh, last and definitely least, uh, John Dies at the End is, is the name of the no. movie. John Dies at the End. Paul Giamatti, <laughs> Chase Williamson. I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. I like that title. John dies at the end. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Titanic. <laughs> yeah. like, you you know. kind of know you going know. in. Yeah. Or so that, thanks to the title. It's more of the journey, really, than the ending. Yeah, it's that yeah. backwards episode of Seinfeld. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Lincoln. Movie. It's kind of like Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give away the ending, but the same thing happens that happens at the end of Lincoln. <laughs> he di- he dies at the end. All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. You're listening to Mountain Sounds. The song is Find That Man. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I swear I don't make this stuff up, guys. That's too easy. We don't need to to do anything with that. (laughs) That one's done. (laughs) I really like Mountain Sounds. They're going to be on our next collection. This this song, too. It's a good song. Go find that man. Yeah. (laughs) If you're in the mountains, Uh that's what we're saying. Yeah. You can hear the sounds. Yeah. Of a man maybe lost. <laughs> Here's what you got to do. You got to go find that man. You got to find him. Yeah. But my question is, is one of enunciation. Is it? Is there a comma? So it's like, go find that man. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it could be just some random that. It could be anything. Yeah. He's calling you man. Yeah. He's like, the, it's like the dude. So he's like a groovy know? mountain, and he's yeah. saying, hey, man. <laughs> Yeah, ju- just, ima- just imagine Jeff Bridges saying it. Yeah. I don't know. Go find that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they're going for. We'll have to ask them. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Five Iron Frenzy with new music. Uh, first time in 10 years, part of their debut or their comeback album, which is talked about in the new issue of Relevant. The song is It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Well, the uh, news magazine, The Atlantic, which is a pretty prestigious magazine, so it's uh, over 150 years old, recently found itself in some hot water. I don't know if, if any listeners or any of you guys saw for a brief time uh, earlier in the week, Scientology was trending on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought this was weird, so I, I checked it out just because I was curious. Um, and The Atlantic had decided to run a massive advertorial about uh, the, the headline is uh, David Miscave, who's a leader of Scientology, leads Scientology to a milestone year. It's followed by a massive picture of the leader of Scientology with, a, with what's essentially a puff piece. The lead for it was 2012 was a milestone year for Scientology, with the religion expanding to more than 10,000 churches, missions, and affiliated group spanning 106. 167 nations, figure that, figures that represent a growth rate 20 times of that of the decade ago. The story goes on, and it's essentially a puff piece to showcase how well the church is doing. But the problem with uh, the whole article was it was pretty much disguised just like an article that you'd see in the Atlantic, except for at the very top, there, there was a little text that said sponsored content. Wow. Uh, at the bottom in the comment section... The other strange thing is that all of the comments were very positive towards Scientology. Right. That's, and no, that's not true. The, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the Atlantic, within 12 hours of this uh, advertorial launching, ended up pulling it and issuing an apology. Uh, well, some people kind of dug in and found that uh, this is a pretty common thing 
among not just the Atlantic, but, but a lot of trends in, in newspaper and magazines right now, trying to figure out other ways to raise revenue and possibly, possibly call, uh, crossing some ethical lines. But the Atlantic, over 50% of their online ad revenues comes from these uh, advertorials that a lot of times are pretty well disguised as uh, articles. Um, so, in response to this, uh, just a, a, a day later, The Onion released this sponsored headline with, a, uh, with an article, The Taliban is a vibrant and thi- thriving political view. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read the lead to that. 2012 proved to be just another year in succession of landmark years for the Taliban as the influential Islamic fundamentalist organization continue its all-inspiring push toward unprecedented expansion. And it goes on to have a puff piece about the Taliban. Wow. Uh, but I thought it was pretty interesting uh, that the Atlantic and a lot of other media organizations have been using uh, the tactic for a while to raise revenue, uh, but it wasn't until something like a puff piece as absurd as right. the one about Scientology came along that it started getting a lot of attention. It's like, whoa, 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 that's not true. What's yeah. going yeah, on here? Yeah, and it was so, <laughs> it was so obviously... There wasn't anything about it that was objective. The only thing that made it uh, would trick some readers was that it looks so much like a magazine feature. It's mm. it's unfortunately incredibly common. They yeah. it, it's two it's two trends that ha- that has happened. One is where it says you know paid content or sponsored content, even though small and meant to kind of trick you. Mm-hmm. But the other trend that re- that readers really have no idea is happening is a lot of magazines are, it's kind of pay-for-play uh, that if a company will buy enough ads in the issue, the magazine will give them favorable editorial coverage. Right. And it's kind of like the big... Like a guest editor or something like that? Guest editors or just, hey, look at that cover story. And it just so happens to be that there's a big ad for that same thing in the same issue. And, and, it, and it really means that that magazine has, in my opinion, no editorial integrity. As a reader, I can't trust that they're covering it because it's worth being covered. They're just covering it because somebody wrote a big check, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, CNET ran into a sticky situation. They were at the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, I think it was about a week ago. So they had all their reporters come, and they, they did a vote, and they compiled their list of, like, the top 10 items, ranking them best for future consumer products. Well, the number one, I believe it was a, a, a new product from DirecTV. Um, but CNET was recently purchased by CBS, and CBS is suing uh, DirecTV for the very product that CNET was going to endorse because the product allows users to fast-forward more easily through advertisements. Mm. So CBS told them they had to change their list, and one reporter quit because of it. It almost And several others uh, voiced their frustration at the interference by CBS, who now owns them. Wow. I I can say, like, we've been doing this 10 years. March is our 10-year anniversary. And I saw the in other parts of our industry and other places I've, you know, worked or just, you know, observed, like, it's common practice for uh, financial influences to determine editorial. And it always Mm -hmm. really bugged me. As a reader, you're not being transparent with me that... The reason why you're covering this artist, this is a big, I mean, this happens a lot in the Nashville and the Christian industry, it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll spend enough that you put us on the cover. And it's like this expectedness. And I, so when we started Relevant, like I just absolutely said no. no like never, never. I don't let the sales guys talk to editorial. 
we we do our editorial decisions first, right. and then after the plans are made, we'll let the sales team know. I mean, hey, mm-hmm. FYI, this is what we're covering, so you can properly represent what the issue is. Mm-hmm. But and sometimes we have an ad in the issue for something that we did a feature on, but the feature was there first. Right. And it was in no way determined by or affected by if they bought an ad or not, you know. And that's honestly, like, held us back in some respects. I mean, you know, we're an independent company and revenue's, you know, always a concern. And you, you know, you have a client sitting there saying, hey, we have $30,000 we'll give you, but we want this coverage too. And we say no. We just straight up say no. And it's just like, it's closed a lot of doors. But I just, I just think at the end of the day, once your brand has been compromised by, uh, I don't know, if your readers stop trusting you, you're done. You know, yeah, or, it, it's a violation of basic ethics, right? You yeah. know, in yeah. media, not disclosing those types of relationships. But I feel like, unfortunately, especially in the digital age, where a lot of people are kind of scrapping to find these new ways yeah. to generate revenue in the face of vlogs that a lot of times are advertisements masquerading yeah. as, uh, you know, kind of compelling content mm-hmm. that even an institution like the Atlantic, which has been around forever and knows better, right. you know, will, will succumb to it. And now they're, they look really bad for it. Right. And, and that, that, that it's only going to get worse, you know, because like you said, in this age where, the financial models are changing so rapidly. Banner ads don't pay for a site; they just don't. Right. I mean, they, the right. cost of running a site you you get pennies on a banner ad, and so it's like you have to find other ways to supplement revenue that used to be subscribers and you know other. So we're trying to find. Everybody's trying to find new models, but unfortunately, the way that it's integrating and what advertisers are finding most effective is, you know, uh, integrating their message as content, and it's just to me that's just a slippery slope. And out of integrity, I just we have to say no. It it's just so disgusting to me to see like everybody can be bought, you know. Yeah. So and you're saying we're not going to have a puff piece about Scientology in our magazine ever? At the end of the day, unless <laughs> they write a really big check, <laughs> really big. I would. Do, really we big. didn't say yeah. that, Maya. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> we're just saying it, the, the sponsored link will be more. It'll it'll be more prominent. <laughs> yeah. Say mm-hmm. sponsored. Or we'd a hide little, it better. Like, it'll be like twelve point <laughs> font instead of ten. <laughs> you'll be able to kind of notice. What do you have, Maya? Um, I have an app. I have an app. Nope, don't have an app. I have a. Well, you do have an app. I do have some apps. Yes. <laughs> is that the slice? You this have is, an app. I have an app. No, I have a new There's one. an app for that. It's called Angry Birds. Pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right, Calvin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my slice is about apps. There recently was a survey done with people, companies that make apps. And they're uh, basically on their terms of transparency about what the app does and what they might kind of embed in the apps to like follow you. And a lot of them were really surprising. They, this uh, story has the 10 worst offenders in terms of transparency. You know, you get, you, and this is all on Google, like an Android phone. I'll say I, I'm seeing a theme of violations of media ethics having to do with disclosure. <laughs> Here you go. Mm-hmm. So these are all Android apps. Android apps. So basically just throw your phone away. So there's no limitations. Google doesn't monitor it. They, they can do whatever they want. It's a wild west over there. It is a wild west over there. Um, but a lot of these apps that are listed are ones that are on your iPhone. So I assume it's probably the same. But this was specifically for Google's Android uh, phones and apps at other store. Um, everyone pretty much knew that Google Maps found your location and knew, you know, was tracking you based on that. But uh, 95% of the people surveyed were c- completely shocked that the app bright- Brightest Flashlight finds your space and tracks your location whenever you're using it. 
Hmm. You know, like if you're in the dark, you need a flashlight. Yeah. It tracks you. That's not good. That's not good. Here's, here's because it knows you're in a dark, scary place and you're vulnerable. <laughs> right. It's yeah. really for the, your health. Yeah. So the police can find you. <laughs> maybe. That's funny. Actually, maybe. If you're if you're lost and you're about to be killed, turn on your iPhone. Well, think about turn, it. Turn if, you're, your if you're if you're if you're, such app. A, if you're such a predicament, you got to use your phone as a flashlight, <laughs> and you go missing. Oh, that actually would be helpful for the police to have access to. Well, this is where you. Well, hopefully, they don't accept paid sponsorships from kidnappers. <laughs> who you know? So if they don't have you know right. the integrity, this could get in the you know, wrong I, I hands. Can, I can picture like David Caruso from CSI Miami right now <laughs> being like, you know, you know, well, well, you know, finding the body and then be like, well, look at this. He has the flashlight app and it was turned on at 12, 17 AM. He looks right at the camera, takes his sunglasses off and goes, well, that ought to shine some light on the situation. Amazing. Amazing. I, wait, by the way, not to go off real quick, but have you guys heard the compilation that's on YouTube of David Caruso's one-liners? Yes, spot, I the, have. Uh, Led Zeppelin scream, it's pre- or the Who scream, it's pretty good. No, yeah. I haven't. Tech, can you pull it up? That, let's hear a clip. I don't think so. You don't spend $1,000 on clothes that you're never going to wear. Hundreds <laughs> <laughs> of people throwing golf balls at the sight of a death. Those odds are very slim, aren't they? So the question becomes, Alex, was the mob sent to draw us to the crime scene or sent to destroy it? (laughs) No need now. The verdict is in. Millimeters not from this gun. That's a monster caliber. Penetrate up to 48 layers of Kevlar. Something tells me this guy was planning something big. And not alone. Frank, it turns out the wave is not the only thing about to hit Miami. <laughs> call it speed dating. Our victim had 15 dates. Well, you know what they say, Frank. Speed kills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's incredible. That's amazing. This, and it goes seven, on for this, seven this minutes. This clip is seven minutes long. Yeah, I'm, so I'm watching the, bu- the load bar underneath it, and I'm going... Okay, <laughs> there's like ten more minutes of this. That's hilarious. I have n- I watched the other CSI's New York in the original, and they have totally downplayed their throw two um, intros in the last couple seasons. That's, that's too bad. Shame. Yeah, that's the only reason to watch that show. Yeah, and the yeah, Miami you one see got canceled. The first thirty seconds, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first thirty. Yeah, seconds. That's, that, it peaks in the first thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Right after that, just all right. All right well, let's see what's on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. Um, well, here's here's a list um, that you guys might find a little shocking too. So, the brightest flashlight, um, a game called Toss It Game. Oh yeah, of course they should track you. Angry Birds game tracks your location, and they use um, the information for one of their mark for some of their marketing stuff. Right. Uh, backgrounds HD wallpapers, Talking Tom virtual pet, mousetrap game. Horoscopes, Shazam Music, Pandora Internet Radio, and Dictionary.com. Okay, I get the last three, uh, primarily the music ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know what you're listening to so they can tailor it. They can promote things you'd be interested in. I get that. Yeah, Diction- so- Dictionary.com did write them back and said they like to find, uh, so you can search the what words people around you are searching for near you. Right, I mean, it's recommended. Eh. Different. Yeah. yeah, some of those are just seem voyeuristic though. Right. 
Yeah, so, like Talking Tom. What are they using? Yeah, a lot have of guys, them. Have you guys played with Talking Tom, by the way? No. It is hilarious. What is it? We have uh-huh. Talking Carl. It's the same thing. It's Yeah, it's like a cat. You talk to the cat, and he, and he talks back to you in a uh, little funny voice. Yeah, it's yeah. Talking Carl on, yeah. in, on uh, iPhone. Kevin, what do you have? Well, hold on. I have a new uh, Calvin Slice app that I got to pull up. It tells me what to talk about. It tracks you. Yeah, in case and in case of your untimely death while recording the podcast. Yeah, it's it'll set to autopilot and it'll just give you like really bad slices without you having to do anything. Talking Tom, we'll just put the mic down to your phone. Talking yeah. Tom will give the slice. Yeah, so it's it, a pretty good app. Do it in the funny puns. Talking Tom voice. Yeah, yeah, but only it's it was only created for me. Only I have it. So. It goes. Hey, <laughs> got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it got me thinking, see? Nah. So it's an old-timey. Right, it's an old-timey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> old I feel like it's a toucan bird, actually. Yeah. Nah, see? Um, and then it does a Christopher Walken, so it's it's really just like that. <laughs> All right, I would like to talk to talk you. Talk and walk in the app. I like that. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's interesting. A GPS in like a Christopher Walken voice that's only for like walking around not for driving <laughs> talking walking talking walking so it's only for it, large it, urban yeah, centers it, yeah it buffers a lot so you have to be you have to be like hundreds of meters away from your turn at a walking pace for it to, to let you know in time right yeah what you're gonna do is you're gonna cut through the Riviera Beach mall <laughs> save about 10 minutes <laughs> so you can't do that with a car so it's tips yeah, yeah it's so, tips yeah. on how to walk to in places yeah. And it's not even hooked up to like a satellite. It's just randomly it's, no, it's, guessing where you are. No, and it's Christopher Walken. He's like, someone calls him at his home phone, and then he like they like loop him in to you, and he talks. He's <laughs> like, "Where are you? At? Oh, okay. Hey, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> that sounds nice." <laughs> your Christopher Walken impression is a lot like your golf swing. If you don't do it enough, it you you lose it. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. I wanted to talk so, about so clearly you don't do it enough, right? The Walken impression or golf. Well, that's it for me. Wait, no. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about Lance Armstrong, uh, who's in the news right now and will be in the news much more towards the end of this week, right around when the podcast airs, for his big Oprah Winfrey interview and expose. Well, I personally have always thought of Lance Armstrong as a pretty dope guy, but it turns out he's actually, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually been See what you did there. A, a doping guy. Um, but it's interesting. He's, um, he's He was on the, the Oprah interview uh he got more candid in some areas than she thought he would but then kind of held back in other areas but oprah described him like the whole interview his he's being very strategic he knew exactly what to say how he was going to say it mm-hmm. um but it's it's pretty interesting um for a while i don't know if you noticed if you knew this but the u.s postal service sponsored him mm-hmm. so all his yeah. like le- would you call them leotards uh, <laughs> yes i think ensembles ensembles yeah his bike, costume, his his bicycle costumes, <laughs> right? All I his, think in the cycling world, that's what they <laughs> that's what they call it. Yeah. All his branded sponsors, sponsored clothing. Did they, they give him thirty million dollars over yeah. eight years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, it wasn't him. It was the whole team. But yeah, but the U.S. Postal Service now wants their money back. The government. He, well, he actually wants their delivered mail for a while. Well, too. I mean, but more interestingly, they they uh, there's a there's a provision, there's a lawsuit that's happening because there's a provision that if the government gives you a grant like that, that you have to fulfill it, and and so there's a clause that if you would have, um, you know, not fulfilled the your end of the deal because of you know something like an illegal activity or mm-hmm. da, 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 getting yeah getting the title not only yeah, yeah. Th- not only do you have to pay it back, but you have to pay it back like three times over as a penalty for you know breaking the law, and that he could be on the hook for $100 million for the $30 million sponsorship. That's crazy. Well, right now, Armstrong is talking with authorities about 
possibly paying back some of the Postal Service sponsorship money. Um, he is also talking... The rest about, he spent it on dope. Right. He's also talking to authorities about confessing and naming names, giving up others involved, which is is pretty... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you remember, a bunch of his teammates came back a while came out a while back against him saying that he was doping and then he pretty much ran all their names through the mud denying denying everything and now it turns out that they were telling the truth and yet he's going to try and like bring people's names to the mud just to kind of take the heat off of himself um i don't know it's just he's, he's gone from live strong to live wrong but um <laughs> you slide no, no you did not I did. <laughs> so he has to make a formal admission uh, or he'll basically be revoked of his title and ability to participate in races for the, like, a lifelong ban, essentially. But right. if he does apologize, he will get an eight-year ban, and he could come back into the competitive cycling Seriously? world in about eight years. He'd be in his fifties. Be really old. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd be in his fifties. Do you um, think he'd try to race again? Just mm-hmm. to prove everyone wrong. Well, I don't know. I feel like if he if he did do that. I think he'd just be repeating the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> There's, this is why he and took the on, slice. You're on fire today. It's too much. Nah, these too are just many. observations. This is just random, not planned at all. Um, but Do they not consider what he... On Oprah, it was not a confession. I didn't watch any of it. Is it not a confession? Or he has to make it to their organization? She, or, she, or right. or she, she says he talk. confessed, but whether or not he was actually repentant or contrite... Would be, she was going to leave up to the viewers. Right. Uh-huh. Like implying he was not as very calculated. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, the Lone Bellow. Hello, greatness. I am here to greet you. False humility and doubt. Happy, scared to meet you. Fear had me. I couldn't sleep. I lay awake. Felt like I had to put my dreams up on lay away. That's the thoughts of a kid living on welfare. Section 8, monthly food stamps, government health care. Let it be told, all that glitters and gold. Life is a slam dunk when you living with low goals. Pick a roll with a number of great friends. You're listening to Show Baraka. The song is Chapter Six. Ali, featuring Ali. The Lone Bellow is a trio from New York that makes what they call Brooklyn country music. I love that. Zach Williams is the Lone Bellow's uh, lead singer and principal songwriter. Interestingly, the songs were born out of a near tragedy after his wife was catastrophically injured in a horseback riding accident. Uh, Throughout the ordeal, uh, he'd been scribbling his thoughts into a journal, and later a good friend suggested he learn to play the guitar and turn the writing into songs. She recovered. It was a miracle. And they decided to head to New York to pursue their creative paths. They they settled in Brooklyn, and, and like Chad said, they recorded their 12 songs in three days. The, the album's getting buzz everywhere. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is Zach Williams of The Lone Bellow. Green eyes and a heart of gold All our money's gone and the house is cold And it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right Green eyes and a heart of gold All our money's gone and the house is cold It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. 
how have you, or do you think you have evolved as a as a writer and and really as a songwriter? I don't think I started actually evolving in like the craft of songwriting until I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Playing the bars of New York, playing the open mics and and like the Lower East Side scene, you know, the Rockwood Music Hall scene or Bar Four on Park Slope. There's a brutal honesty. It doesn't work. You can't just be like, oh, my wife fell off a horse and broke her neck. Listen to this song because I went through a hard time and you're polite. It just doesn't work. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about cities. It's just like that overarching value of honesty, vulnerability. Even the old people that live in my neighborhood are really vulnerable. If you get in an argument with them on the sidewalk, like it's going to get real, really fast. And I think that that kind of seeps into the music scene here too, and then, and then into like the songwriting life here in the city. just the moving to New York and, and it seems like from what I can tell you you found the city to be very inspiring or at least to bring your songwriting to the next level but when I listen to The Lone Bellow it sounds very the, the folk influence is overwhelming it sounds like a country band yeah, yeah. in the traditional sense are you more inspired by the country or the city? Well I think I think what happened is when I was a kid I would spend the summers at my grandparents house in Cartersville Georgia my grandparents are very musical. They would always listen to like Dolly Parton. And then and Brian and Kaneen are from the South. And I think living specifically in Park Slope, Brooklyn, specifically in, in South Slope, there's like a really small town feel. I mean, you know everybody. Like you're not in cars. So every day you walk past the same people yeah. every day yeah. it just reminded me of how like how my grandfather would would talk to the guy at the tire shop uh, that he like knew all his life yeah. uh, i don't know it, it, it's almost like being far away from the south made us grow fonder of it and then that and the lyrics are so sad i had to figure out a way to hide them in some sort of melody that would be worth listening to. And country music, I think, is has been a safe haven for really sad lyrics for as long as it's existed. The 90s didn't go so well. But, <laughs> but other than that... <laughs> well, country's gotten a bad rap lately, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't feel that way. I mean, it depends on what you're, on like, what you're referring to with it. I mean, I love, like... Towns Van Zant and Steve Earle and what they did and the alt country scene. I love like Lucinda Williams and Loretta Lynn and all that's going on there. I love Dwight Yoakam. I love the whole Bakersfield, Southern California, Bakersfield country music. I love that stuff. But we don't have 
Like, we don't have country music stations up here. The past seven years that I've been up here, I haven't, I haven't been keeping up with like, say, top 40 country music radio. But I'm sure there's redemptive art in there. I just haven't taken the time to listen to it <laughs> lately. to your house with this letter in hand all your candles burned out oh my good man I'll watch you dance around in circles with your new man in the glow and you can be all kinds of emotional when you started writing you were obviously inspired by the pain and just the the sort of desperation or loneliness that you felt but now that that your wife's on the mend thankfully what what inspires you to write now what keeps you at it i mean we're we're all Every single one of us are pretty, like if you boil it down, we're, you know, kind of tortured beings on any given day. Any of us are fighting whatever identities we've been wrestling with and whatever reality we're living in. And I, I personally have, have that as well. But I've been encouraged lately. I've been reminded that, like, my specific story isn't really terribly different than anybody else's. I have tangible things that I can like point at and put a finger on and be like, that sucked. That was really bad. But it still boils down to like morning to night, daytime, quote unquote, mundane life that I'm being inspired by right now. Just like finding that like simple rhythm being alive on purpose trying to live in community you know be a father be a husband be a brother kind of thing there's uh, there's there's still uh pain and joy and confusion um that i write about um it has been really good lately writing with brian and canine because if something's bullcrap they call it very quickly <laughs> So that's been that's that's been inspiring for me lately. The tree I'll grow to let you know my love is older than my soul. Tree I'll grow to let you know my love is older than my soul. Tree I'll grow to let you know my love is older than my soul. Tree I'll grow to let you know my love is old. Like when somebody listens to the album or, or even just goes to one of your shows, is that whole idea of, of redemption, of a, of a redemptive story, is that the, something that you wanted them to take away? Is that sort of the driving force of the band? Uh, no, I don't think so. I hope that these songs will 
find their way into other people's stories. But uh, there's not like an overarching goal that the album has. Each song is pretty, pretty weird and different from the next yeah. in regards to like topical. My hope for the songs, for me personally, like when I sing them at shows, is I just want to breathe in for a second. I just want to like stop and just be somewhere and be like aware of the moment that I'm living in for a little while. So that's, I mean, it sounds, I guess it is like terribly simple, but that's, that's my goal with this album. For me, I just want to be able to pause and like live, live in a moment for a little while. And I'm falling down like it's holy ground I'm looking for you again I'm looking for you again And I can't go And there's always doubt I'm looking for you again I'm looking for you again That was Zach Williams of The Lone Bellow. Check him out at thelonebellow.com listening to Escondido the song is Black Roses another song from our upcoming uh, subscriber album Eugene Cho is the founder and executive director of One Day's Wages a movement of quote people stories and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty he's also the founding and lead pastor of Quest Church and the founder executive director of Q Cafe a unique nonprofit community cafe and music venue in Seattle One Day's Wages seeks to change global issues of injustice affecting millions of people, regardless of race, culture, sex, age, or religion. Our very own Stephanie Smith recently spoke to him. Here is Eugene Cho. You've described your family as a fairly average family. So how did you get from there to hear uh, where you are, what you're doing now with One Day's Wages. Yeah. Uh, we're still very average, uh, I would say. Uh, and I say that not to sound cheeky in some way. I think everyone's extraordinary in some way. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think there's nothing about our pedigree or about our history that is extraordinary. Uh, maybe one thing that I'll share a little bit is that I'm f- turning 42. Uh, pause for clapping, dramatic <laughs> effect. And uh, I've been kind of going through a midlife uh, reflection. Uh, okay. Midlife reflection sounds better than midlife crisis. And I think in that I've been kind of learning more about my story 
And what is extraordinary about my past is my great-grandfather was one of the first believers of a small town outside of Pyongyang, which is now North Korea. Mm. And so I just kind of look at that past and see God's grace and provision. I see how people help my family. Uh, that compels me in many ways. Um, where we are now, I think it's just us being mindful about how gracious God has been over our life. When you know this countercultural sentiment that we have been so deeply blessed, where I feel like what I hear from culture is, you need more. You know, you need more, more stuff, more cars, more gadgets. And so it's coming to a place where we've been so blessed. And part of the reasons why I think God has blessed us amongst many is to be a blessing to others. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason why we started One Day's Wages. A lot of people would say that, yes, God has blessed us, so we should bless others. But would you say that this kind of metric of comparison works well? Uh, Would you say that there's a downside to it if we're constantly comparing ourselves to others? Yep, yep. I mean, I think think you nailed it. Uh, I think there is a downside with all things. There's pros and cons. Mm -hmm. There's dangers. There's traps. We have Mm -hmm. to be careful at extremes. What is meant to be good, if we're not careful, can become idolatrous. It can Mm -hmm. become our righteousness in some way. Um, I think when people do good things, if they're not careful, they can become easily righteous. We elevate people. We, We create this weird Christian celebrity stardom in some way. Um, So I think it's important to be mindful about that, but we cannot ignore the fact that 80% of the world live on less than $10 a day. We we just can't ignore it. We share that not to pummel people into guilt, because that's not the intent, but when 1.4 billion people, and just in case people don't hear this correctly, I said B, billion, Mm -hmm. live under five quarters a day, It's not to incite guilt, but I think it has to make us think about the lack of equity in the Mm -hmm. world, that something is indeed askew with Mm -hmm. the world. And as Christians, it's not to drive people to guilt, but I think if there are metaphorical tables that we should flip over, uh, that would be one of them, if you will. What have you seen in younger generations of Christians today that is actually helpful in translating that momentary empathy into real action and selfless action? What makes the difference between the two? I think part of it is that we live, as I'm sure we have in the past, in a very narcissistic world. Mm -hmm. I think that narcissism is even more tempting today because of all the tools of new media and social media, Mm -hmm. right? I mean... We can't have lunch without telling people what we're eating or taking pictures of our food. I right. mean, <laughs> I think the world can go on. Did I just convict you? Are you okay? Oh, I'm identifying. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. so, so I think we have to just realize that we do live in a world where we're challenged by that. And I think what I love to encourage people in taking a step is to shut up and listen for a while. Mm, mm-hmm. To really listen. I love Nehemiah's response in the first chapter where he's convicted about what's going on in Israel. He's convicted and what the Bible says in chapter 1, I think starting from verse 7, he says he prays, he fasts, and if people do the math historically, scholars say that he does this for about three to four months. Right. That he just prays and fasts, he listens. It really breaks him. Um, I have a friend that says, we don't 
do justice, justice does us. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things that I would love our generation to do is to take more time to listen, to pray, to allow it to break us in some ways, as opposed to wanting to immediately make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be about the marathon and not about the instant justice gratification. Right. That was Eugene Cho. Find out more at eugenecho.com or onedayswages.org. Now just move me Two tabs on your tongue I heard the shepherds, I heard the sheep sleep Now my only one Broken sweethearts Who sleep apart you're listening to Alt J. The song is Dissolve Me. I love them. It's time for feedback. What I do? That's the album that I listen to while I do my tallying projects. Mm. It's a passionate. I love it. It sounds like you're like a mosaic artist. <laughs> <laughs> Not like you, you've been tiling like a single bathroom. When you say like my tiling projects, like you go into your house and there's these grand mosaics of like maps and like a portrait of your family. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, we asked you to tell us how to make the show better. Uh, we, we talked to a listener who was, you know, he was a, a podcast connoisseur, is what he was, Carl. And uh, and he he had this blog post where he was rating and evaluating all these various podcasts, and we were on the list. And we thought, you know, we've never really, you know, looked at how we should improve ourselves. Well, we should ask you guys, what do you want us to do or stop doing? Lesson learned. Don't do that again. Yeah. You guys were brutal. Uh, you went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You hit us up on Twitter incessantly, and you um, posted on our Facebook page. So some of the some of the feedback was was uh, dumb, and some of it, <laughs> some, yeah, some of it we threw out right away. Some, some of yeah, it we right. we actually created, we blocked their IPs. Ch- Chad went through it all and 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 uh, sent us constructive notes saying, "Hey guys, here's some ways that we could kind of like fine tune some things." But I we also got some bolo tie pictures. Oh, those oh, are those are great. Those were really good. Oh man. The, Bolo the Bob Yoda. Goff one. Yeah. <laughs> so all, part two to the question of the week was, we, if you heard the podcast, we're sorry, uh, if you heard the podcast, there was there was a mention of Bolos later on in the show, and uh, and YOLO, hashtag YOLO came up, and and we thought, we, we basically assessed if, if the Bolo industry wanted to come back, they should adopt YOLO as their advertising campaign. Yeah. And so you guys made Bolo YOLO ads and uh, sent them to us. And we're going to post them all on our uh, episode page. They're, they're pretty epic. Uh, but, the, but your real feedback, here's, here's a few of our favorite replies about ways we can improve the podcast. There was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I'm just saying there was a lot. Uh, a Finnegan on the relevant podcast page on the website said he really thinks we do great. Thank you. Um, he said any part that they that he doesn't like uh he just fast forwards it <laughs> um he does say he would like to have um us bring back a little more listener interaction um hey we've been doing that last we have been weeks. yeah but he he specifically said with the the game versus bringing that back for a little bit yeah sure doing that that was fun and he said uh story time with uncle jesse is always a uh, he ran hit. out of stories he did we need to send he, jesse. i wish that hilarious things happen to me every single week and we, if they did, I would gladly. We tap that well dry. You you have a way of making things that actually aren't all that funny, funny though, 
Because like to a normal person, if bird smoothie happened, <laughs> it wouldn't be this epic thing. Yeah. But in your world, <laughs> it's pretty. Or in Jesse's head, it needs, really. it's a, it needs to be told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's mainly it's mainly situations that something slightly out of the ordinary happens, and I inadvertently make it very awkward for everyone around, including myself. This was interesting. Chris Lang posted on the relevant podcast Facebook page. All I know is I stopped listening while I was in my previous job because I was too stressed that I felt like in order to concentrate, I couldn't listen to it anymore. Now that I've involuntarily switched to a less stressful job, I'm back. <laughs> Not sure how many in-jokes I have missed in five years. Oh, she was gone so we, we pretty much got him fired, yeah. is what he's saying. That he yes. was listening, he couldn't concentrate, and now like he's Like laughing out loud, probably. He, and he not quit, able to, yeah, or he quit his job so he could have a, so he'd be able to listen to us at work. Either way. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. K-E-J-I. Anyone want to give that a stab? Kiji? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, he or she, maybe she, uh, had, had a, a couple thoughts uh, that, that uh, are pretty practical. Make a funny YouTube video of the week, a la Cameron's sharing of the Ricky Gervais, Liam Neeson improv clip from last year, the voicemail of the guy witnessing the ladies uh, getting beat up <laughs> at the intersection. And this week, we kind of had the David Caruso thing. Right. Mm. Um, so so uh, this listener really likes those. The other one's kind of a technical front-end thing about being able to put tags and makes the, the podcast e- more easily searchable. That, that was actually the plan. The plan was that our archives would be tagged with uh, associated tangents or highlights of the episode, aside from just who the guests were. We realized, though, that would be so much work because we'd have to go back and listen to every episode and take notes on mm. the the Maybe every listener pillars. could list t- to listen to each one. Actually, if we crowdsourced this and made like kind of a wiki... That's what we should do. That's actually what we should that's do. That's it. And just send the... Yeah. If we made a wiki that's of it. all the episodes and made the entire archives open and let people tag, tag comment... Okay, things. that's actually interesting. I'll talk to the team about that. Cool. That's really neat. That would crowdsource this thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that say they want old episodes that are hard to find. Yeah. Right. We were going to put them up in the store. And then again, we realized that'd be a lot of work. Too much work for so, us. So, so we decided <laughs> not, not, not to. Not just Snavely. Yeah, for us, even, too. Yeah, so even like, more eh. than Snavely wanted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, I like Benjamin Spears uh, on the Facebook page. He's, or I'm sorry, on the website. He says, I think Jesse should change up his standard greeting of hello, hello. It has affected me subliminally to the point that it is now the only way I've answered my phone. Why does he say, tw- say it twice? Help, help. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I subliminally addicted you to the podcast, Benjamin. <laughs> I really like what uh, at It's Eunice 97 said on Twitter that we should start every podcast by saying in an epic voice, previously on the relevant podcast. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I did like that. I like that. Well, that'll do it for your feedback. Uh, if you want to chime in, we are still watching and listening and applying your actual constructive criticism, which most of the actual uh, constructive criticism came back uh, via Twitter, yeah. it seemed like. So we, we're still listening. It's time for this week's... Editorial question of the week. Earlier in the show, we heard our generation's Shakespeare, David Caruso. Yes giving his uh, tosses uh, for CSI Miami, the most impactful moment of your television week. Um, got us thinking. Did it? <laughs> in the absence, that happens to me sometimes. In the absence of CSI Miami, 
we, there really is a void in the national conversation. There really is a void in our hearts and our intellects and our minds and our hearts and spirits. We need to fill. So what we want you to do is give us new David Caruso-esque lines right before the sunglasses come off or on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they go on. <laughs> right. He mixes it up. And then the wah happens. Yeah. Can you do that again, Jesse? Yeah! It's like pretty that. good. It's, pretty good. <laughs> it's like I can hear you pulling back from the mic. To yeah, like trail out. It's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like standing. And I just rip my shirt open while I did. <laughs> <laughs> I really get into the moment. So the only way this will make sense is if you set the scene. So in, mm-hmm. in your feedback, you got to set the scene briefly and then give us the line, the line, you know. And maybe what we'll do is we'll get Jesse to enact, reenact them on the show next week. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll do the yell every time <laughs> until my voice is hoarse. So the, the way you can join in is head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You can post them right there in the replies. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, though it would be hard to set the scene via Twitter. Mm. Um, mm. But hey, if you're that succinct of a writer. Make a website, put it on there, then send us the link via Twitter. Okay. Just saying. If you want to enact it via you know a YouTube clip, okay. Great, whatever art. you want to do. Uh, or you can post it on our Facebook page, uh, Roland Podcast Facebook page. I love that we hadn't, haven't had a lot of YOLO, or we haven't had a lot of like people making art for us, and then YOLO Bolo just Boom. blew yeah. it up. Yeah, Springboard Found for creativity. I liked it. And so maybe it nice. this will, so those were kind of like uh, pictures of the ads mm-hmm. that they created. Uh, this week, maybe what they need to do is actually go film the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, we, we will play your YouTube video. Oh, we will. Yeah. If you put this on YouTube or Vimeo, we will absolutely play it. Maybe they can hashtag this one. Yeah. So like Y E E E A A A A H H H H exclamation point exclamation point hashtag Yolo. Yeah, yeah, hashtag both. That's how we'll track you. Off 140 characters. Yeah. Yeah. 128 of the characters will be hashtags. Yeah. So very very succinct line. Yeah. So you're gonna have to really just you know say more with less. Which is a lesson we have yet to learn here. On yeah, the I don't know how to do yeah, it. Obviously. We're trying. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Many thanks to The Lone Bellow for talking to us. Check out their debut self-titled album. The vinyl releases on February 13th. I already pre-ordered it. Sweet. Yeah. And thanks to Eugene Cho for talking to us. Uh, find out more about Eugene, uh, Eugene's work at One Day's Wages at onedayswages.org. On the note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Calvin Kearley. I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> That's Chad Michaels Navely. We'll see you next week. I'm not about to go, but you can be the sweet talk. And it works for me, and it's the sweet words that pulls me in. I know I'm the weak one, and I won't say no. You give me a reason, so I never go. So many moments we Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. Well, that ought to shine some light on the situation. Yeah!